Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks, and you're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We fought all day. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5. Scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yes, welcome everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. The well is just about running dry in terms of football action left this season with just the three games left to go. But we are here to recap the last four which took place over the divisional weekend. And when I say uh, we, we have myself, Timothy Lambert-Monk, Sean Ewan and record breaker himself, Jacob Barner, comes for his uh, first snap of the Full 10 Yards. We go through all the games, bit of news as we talk about the Browns head coach as well. And we of course have regular favourites such as Stats Life and Jason Garrett-Corner. Hope you enjoyed all the games. Hope your team won and got through. Hope you got involved with some of the bets as well that me, Adam, Adam posted on Saturday. Uh, probably, I think we were about 10 out of 19, all told. But if you got involved with the anytime touchdown scorers, uh, you would have been up a pretty penny. But let's see if these fellas enjoyed the game. Sean, come to you first. Yeah, cracking weekend, mate. Really enjoyed it, particularly the, the early one on Sunday. Um, obviously, high-scoring affair and uh, phenomenal comeback. What a good weekend of action. I'm looking forward to the uh, the conference games now. Mm, absolutely. Ewan, obviously not to be for you. Uh, what, what was your mindset when, when the Texans were 24 and nothing up? Dreamland, and then in minutes, or some minutes, all fell. <laughs> Seconds. It all fell apart, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, oh well. Not to be. Maybe next year. Uh, Jacob, obviously, uh, like I say, first time um, kind of in the NFL huddle, if you like. Um, obviously, no sweat for you boys and the, and the 49ers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it worked out pretty, pretty well. I was a little bit worried after that first uh, touchdown. Well, that touchdown we conceded, but from then on, seemed fairly plain sailing and injury free. Mm. So I was pretty happy with that. Mm. Absolutely. We'll get to that in a bit. So maybe a maybe a confession from me as well, but who knows? Uh, maybe it is 2020 after all. But let's uh, let's get to it. Let's get to a first down. First down. Okay, yeah, it's a couple of bit of tidbits in the NFL to get you up to date with. Kevin Stefanski has been hired as the Browns head coach. Vikings offensive coordinator, obviously, uh, coming off that uh, poor performance again on Saturday uh, against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, it must be said, obviously, Paul uh, De Podesta seems to have kind of won the power struggle over there in Cleveland, but you do have to wonder how long a leash uh, the Haslam's uh, will will give him. But, um, Sean, obviously, you are a resident Browns fan. Um, Stefanski, obviously, was one of the candidates that... Um, yeah, I think it was down to him and Freddie Kitchens last season. Uh, Stefanski was obviously earmarked as the kind of up-and-comer analytics kind of guy. Um, so we, I think we can maybe call him Kevin Sloppy Seconds at Stefanski. But are you happy with the hire? Uh, I think I've learned after last year not to get too up or too down on these things, to be honest. Like you say, he was, he was the bridesmaid last year. I was quite pleased when they went with Freddie Kitchens last year based on the work he'd done at the back end of the previous campaign. We all obviously know how that played out, so I'm not going to get too upset and I'm not going to get overly excited either. Um, I think, as you say, Paul Podesta has obviously got a huge amount of sway for whatever reason in the organisation, which is obviously very, very strange, a guy with a, a massive baseball background to have such sway. Um, but that does seem to be the case. And as you say, he's, he's been around the building for a few years now and hasn't had his way previously. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this one pans out. Mm. I'd fully expect Andrew Berry back now as GM. I think that interview has been accepted in terms of the interview request. Um, and I think that's where the, the dots will connect. Um, it's typical of the Browns, though, they can't even get the PR on this right because, by all accounts, the other 
finalist this year, if you like, was Robert Sala, and obviously it was billed, if you like, as the uh, the audition for the Browns job, the playoff game on Saturday night. <laughs> and I think it's safe to say that Sala won that one, but obviously uh, Stefanski uh, gets the Browns gig. So I'll obviously get behind it. You know, can't be no worse than last year, can it? So uh, let's see what he brings. But I'm not going to get too what was, uh, too up or down. What, what was the the bit about they had to submit the game plan to the analytics department on a Friday before that? Is that is that reason? That, um, your man for the Patriots ever took the job. Yeah, so I think in, in terms of McDaniels that you're referring to, I think he wanted quite a big sweeping change. I think, you know, mm. McDaniels, part of him coming would have been deeper Podesta leaving full stop. Um, there's various different reports on the analytics. I don't know how much of it is true or not. Jimmy Haslam has been obsessed with getting alignment in his organisation. And for what it's worth, you know, I think, again, the way it's been reported sounds ridiculous. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing just to sort of say... This is the way that we view the game. Does the analytics back this up? But I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad thing. Um, again, though, just the way it's been reported. It's not a great look, but all of this will be irrelevant if they obviously put a winning product on the field. And, you know, ultimately that's what they've been striving for for years. And if this ends up being the higher that gets it right, then uh, we'll all be thankful for it. If it's not, we'll be back here again in 12 months. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, obviously, um, Kevin Stefanski, another first-time head coach. It's interesting to see that they've obviously keep going that way. Uh, first-time head coaches, when maybe obviously with the uh, the characters in in the team and obviously the lack of discipline that seems to be in that organisation, you'd think that you want someone stern and not necessarily ruling with an iron fist, but someone that uh, can go in there and clean it all out. Maybe say that's what Josh McDaniels wanted to do, and uh, the Haslam's and all the rest of them didn't want that. So uh, we yeah, we were, we shall see how it plays out and say we're. Wait, wait, 12 months' time to see if uh, the Browns are exactly the same position. Uh, a couple of other little bits, some other chess pieces that are moving around the NFL. Uh, John Filippo is out as Jaguars offensive coordinator, and I saw somewhere that Pat Shermer quickly found a job uh, as an offensive coordinator over in Denver as well. So, yeah, a couple of other bits there. Um, I think I, I, I did see someone earmarking uh, Jason Garrett as the uh, Jags offensive coordinator replacement, possibly. So keep your eyes peeled on that one. Um, yeah interesting times uh, and then one final tidbit before we get to the games the Eagles are on all or nothing this year uh, I was saying to you boys off air that I was, it's a real shame they weren't on hard knocks because I had a stonker a joke you know every every time Carson Carson Knox has been has had hard knocks he's um, yeah anyway enough of that uh, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's move on to second down second down Okay, so here we go. Four games to get through. Jacob, obviously, you are first up. San Francisco, say no sweats for you. Jimmy G, the Ford star, the man who makes Derek Carr look like Brett Favre and the man whose stats get more padded than David Beckham's England cap total. Uh, Kirk Cousin peeing down his leg as expected, uh, which means pretty much a waste of a win against the Saints. But Jacob, um, break it down for us. Yeah, the Niners ran out 27 to 10 winners. They started off... Very, very hot on the first offensive drive, really attacking that Viking secondary, which was has kind of struggled. You know, Xavier Rhodes has had a lot of struggles this season so far. They get down there and score with Kendrick Bourne in the red zone straight away. Then the Vikings are able to come back. Akello Witherspoon, the Niners cornerback, who, you know, a lot of people, including myself, was hoping wouldn't start. He started <laughs> off the season pretty pretty well before he was injured and then he got injured Emmanuel Mosley came in and for me played lights out then Witherspoon comes back after his injury and it's just been a liability he's been as as bad as he was last year and he got benched against the Seahawks in week 17 I think a lot of people were hoping he wouldn't start they announced he would but the Vikings clearly 
have been watching film as much as we all have and they target him a few plays in a row they get a pi out of one they get a 13 yard catch a play later and then a couple of plays after that they get the 41 yard touchdown to stefan Diggs. where i mean witherspoon was in great coverage and then kind of just forgets that he's supposed to make a play on the ball and falls over <laughs> uh, it was a little bit painful to watch but it was good to see that carl shanahan and robert Salah had the short leash we all kind of hoped that he would have at least if he was starting and he was pulled after that and mostly came in and was able to, to handle the Vikings receivers pretty well. And then from after that, it was really a case of the Niners imposing their will, mm. getting some turnovers and and running down the clock whilst getting into the end zone while the Vikings really had to settle for field goals. There was a couple of, couple of times, you know, the Sherman interception. After that, the Niners, they go eight plays in a row, every player run play for 44 yards and finished that with a score that took over four minutes off the clock in the third quarter, I believe, second or third quarter. And at that point where they just couldn't stop the run, it was it was almost game over, mm. really, for the Vikings. We forced them to, to chase the game, which was something I was really hoping we could do. If you look at the stats going into the game, all season, the Vikings love to run the ball, especially on the early downs. They'll run the ball 65 to 70% of the time on a first down, but they end up three, four touchdowns behind and were forcing them to throw. And third down conversions really was, was the key to victory for me. They only converted two of 12. Mm. So the Niners defense really able to do what it does best, which was pass cover, really. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, San Francisco, they, they bake a good NFL. To, you know, if you, for, winning, for winning games, they bake a good cake, don't they? De- decent defense, that ferocious front seven, obviously aided by D4, Quan Alexander, re- really stifling that run game and putting pressure on Kirk Cousins. Uh, and then, you know, on the other side of the ball, they can run on first down, whatever they wanted to do. They were getting six and seven yards on first down, which just opens up the playbook. And if you don't, if you want to stop someone from opening up a playbook, uh, Carl Shanahan is that person you don't want to be able to to see all of the pages of that but uh, yeah convincing win by San Francisco happy to report I'm uh, I've taken the loss on the San Francisco 49ers they you know they're, they're very impressive they they deserve to be where they are um just don't 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 get me talking on Jimmy Garoppolo um well the thing is as well and I think this is one of Jimmy Garoppolo's probably one of his poorer games of the season um to be fair the interception wasn't great there's was a couple of bad throws where the receivers bailed him out where the throws were kind of mm, behind they were him. yeah and there was a couple of high ones as well yeah, so we had quite a few like that. But what I kind of find encouraging about this team is that we're able to win that comfortably when he's not playing that well. Yeah, well, he and doesn't, he doesn't need games, to. He doesn't need to, though. Exactly. And there's been games this year where he has played very well. You know, you look at the Saints game, you look at the Cardinals games, um, you look at the Rams game. There are games where he's played very, very well and under pressure. Mm. So what I like is the fact that when he doesn't play well, we tend to still do quite well. So it's not like a team like the Seahawks, where yeah. if Russell Wilson doesn't play MVP level, they lose a game. Mm. He has to play like Superman every single game. Yeah. And for me, that's not sustainable. Whereas no. what the Niners have built, I think, is sustainable. And what you kind of need to hope on is that in the few moments where you need him to be the guy, yeah. he's able to pull that out, which, yeah. you know, luckily this season, I think he has done 
bar a few wobbly moments. Yeah, no, you, you can't hate you can't hate the way the San Francisco 49ers uh, play football. But yeah, I think there was a stat there on they were doing during the broadcast that you know he's one of the worst in terms of average yard uh, depth of, of target. And then obviously the San Francisco 49ers are the the, the the league best in yards after the catch. So that's just yeah, the way. That's just the Shan, that's just the Shanahan offense, isn't it? And it's just the way that they play. So yeah, um, yeah, it is what it is. San Francisco execute perfectly, uh, executing efficiently on first down and as they, they just took care of business uh, and obviously host uh, NFC title game next week okay let's move on to uh, upsets of the weekend Sean um, King Henry just doing the business once again yeah absolutely and uh, I make no apologies as the AFC North fan on the podcast to say what a fabulous result this was to wake up to on Sunday morning thoroughly enjoyed watching this one back and you know to be fair very very entertaining game the titans did absolutely what they needed to and what um myself and ewan talked about on thursday's podcast they got a lead early and basically put the foot on the throat of the ravens and never looked back essentially um unbelievably when i was doing a few notes for this um i come across a little bit of a stat so it's a bonus stat life for you the Ravens haven't actually won a game since they were training at halftime since week 10 of the 2016 season, yeah. which is absolutely unbelievable. You've got to go back you know, four years now since they've overcome a halftime deficit. Mm. And the writing was pretty much on the wall with this one, you know, from the from watching it back. Obviously, slightly anticlimactic when you know the result, but even just watching it back, you could tell from the flow of the game that the Ravens just, you know, weren't themselves at all. They were so unlike the Baltimore Ravens of the regular season. Mm. Lamar Jackson ended up throwing for an unbelievable 59 pass attempts, which won't surprise anybody is his career high in terms of his attempts. He also therefore had his career high in terms of completions with 31 and his career high in terms of incompletions with 28. Career high in terms of yards as well with 365. So, you know, unbelievable stats really because the, the plan all season has been, you know, Jackson's been very efficient when he has thrown the ball. He's averaged 26 attempts a game in the regular season. To over double that output in the most important game of the season is just ridiculous. The Ravens averaged over 26 rushes a game without Jackson's rushing stats included on the season. <laughs> Out of their running backs on Sunday, only nine attempts on the ground between Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards. Mm. And yes, Mark Ingram was obviously carrying an injury, but you know Gus Edwards played very well in Week 17 when they decided to rest a number of starters. Gus Edwards played very well at the back end of last season when he saw some extended time. Justice Hill's been getting some carries on and off in recent weeks, but he didn't even receive one carry of the ball. And to just completely abandon what has been successful for you throughout the season is just... It's beyond belief, to be completely honest. Mm. Um, a lot of um, a lot of the sort of commentary, if you like, was around two failed fourth down attempts. Yeah. The Ravens throughout the season were eight of eight when going on fourth and one. And again, unexplicably, needing just a single yard, the team that have put up more rushing yards than anybody in history failed to pick it up on two occasions, both quarterback keepers. And Jackson probably showing a little bit of inexperience. You know, the player designed to go one way. His initial thought is he wasn't there, so turned the other way, obviously back to where all the traffic was. And on both occasions, he was stuffed at the line. But as you say, Tim, I don't want to go too much on about what the Ravens did or didn't do. A lot of that yardage I talked about was built up in, in what it was essentially garbage time because the Titans had built up a 22-point lead at that stage and essentially kept everything in front of them. Derrick Henry, absolutely phenomenal. Yet again, 
30 rushing attempts in this one for 195 yards. Again, just absolutely running at will whenever he wanted to. It seemed that he was taking defenders with him. I particularly loved the play of the stiff arm on Earl Thomas, who'd been giving it plenty of mouth throughout the week about how you know nobody knew how to tackle and the Ravens were going to bring their big boy <laughs> game. I think it's safe to say Derek Henry won that particular matchup. And again, plenty of criticism for the stats when it comes to Ryan Tannehill. You know, only completed seven passes out of his 14 attempts for 88 yards. But importantly, when he needed to make the big throws, he did just that. Two touchdowns in this one. Got to say a massive shout-out to the catch that Johnny Smith pulled off in the oh, corner of the end zone. Absolutely unbelievable catch, um, which was excellent. And the, the, the ball to Khalif Raymond was, was good in its own right off play action and a deep ball, 45-yarder. Um, and again, another excellent catch from Raymond. But the, the significance of that particular one was obviously it came after the first failed fourth and one attempt. Yeah. Um, so obviously a double kick in the uh, in the nuts, so to speak, for the Ravens at that point. Um, the only surprising stat really is Derek Henry didn't find the end zone himself through the air or um, on the ground. <laughs> but obviously yeah. that magical highlight of him actually showing that he's pretty decent behind centre as well with a little jump pass. Reminded me of Dontare Poe a couple of years ago. It was almost yeah, a, yeah. an exact replica and they're, they're quite similar in body shape considering they play uh, completely different positions, aren't they? But um, great win for the Titans. They, they've done exactly what the Ravens didn't do here. They found their strength at the right time of the season. It's, it's pounded the ball through Derrick Henry. It's asking Ryan Tannehill to make intelligent decisions and make good throws. It's asking the receivers to obviously come up clutch you know, with some big catches when required. And just playing really excellent defence. You know, they kept Jackson in the pocket. He took four sacks in this one, which, you know, again, was up on the season average. He, his fumble, I thought, was a particularly um, telling play. You know, he, he so often in the season, he would scramble out of a situation like that. But he, he almost seemed to wait for the sack to come. Um, and obviously, the ball was stripped away. And that was another one of the three turnovers on the day. One absolutely amazing stat just to finish off for the game. The Baltimore Ravens ran 97 plays of offence mm. compared to just 55 for the Tennessee Titans. Mm, However, crazy. time of possession was only actually four minutes different. <laughs> and that just goes to show that, you know, Derrick Henry just grinding the game away, yeah. running down the clock. Um, it was absolutely textbook, exactly what the Tennessee Titans needed. Um, how long can this run go on? I know we're going to talk about the the, um, the opponent that they're going to face shortly when we do the next game. And obviously the defence is going to have to probably step up yet another level, you would think. Uh, but who would back against them after the run that they've been on? Not just the last two weeks, but also if you think about it, the previous week, week 17 matchup was a must win. Um, and obviously if they do make the win on Sunday, um, they will have actually beaten all four AFC divisional winners in consecutive weeks to reach a Super Bowl, mm. which won't be of anybody's surprise. That would be a first in NFL history as well. So mm. phenomenal win from the Titans and uh, really looking forward to seeing them on the road again. Can the fairy tale continue? We'll find out this week. Mm. And let's not forget as well, Tennessee Titans already beaten Kansas City there, obviously at home uh, in the regular season as well. So but like you say there, yeah, the, the turning point of the game for me was the Kaylee Freeman 45, uh, 45 yard. Obviously that's off, a, like you say, the turnover on downs. Then they t immediately took a shot for one play, then you know, it's a 14 point, well, not a 14 point swing, but you get you get what I'm trying to say. Um, just have a, a couple of little things from me Ryan Tannehill, 160 yards in both in his two playoff games this year, he's obviously won both. Derek Henry uh, has had 97 touches in three 
games, which is, uh, that's Christian McCaffrey level, isn't it? Um, but yeah, Derek Henry's last eight games, 203 carries, 1,273 yards, Jesus, uh, and 11 touchdowns, um, setting all-time records for most rushing yards in any eight-game stretch in NFL history as well. Another bonus one for you there. Uh, it's going to be really weird seeing him go in first round of fantasy drafts next season as well. Uh, but a quick one on Lamar Jackson, obviously in NFL playoff and college bowl games now, he's one and four with 10 touchdowns and 10 giveaways. Are we worried that he's going might be one of these QBs that can't get it done in the in the big times, Ewan? Yeah, possibly. I think he, he's a good, good athlete, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it was what he's had. He just got away from what he did well all mm. season and um, they didn't really have enough, you know, diversity in their, their offense mm. to overcome it. So mm. I think it's more of a learning point than yeah. an end point for them. But uh, yeah, he'll be back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a bit harsh for for the people saying you know he's a choker or whatever. I mean, the guy is so young. When Joe Burrow goes as number one pick, he's going to be older than him. Yeah. So for us to be kind of writing him off already as like kind of this playoff choker for me is is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I feel like everything kind of went almost perfectly against them. Like you say, the four from one plays where at some point in the season they're not going to get those four from ones, and it kind of almost just happened to come at the the almost the worst time yeah. really and if those four from ones don't you know if they happen some other plays in the regular season that don't matter and they get these two here you know maybe we'll talk a completely different story mm. and so so yeah. it, it's a tough one but i think he's got i mean he's got so much to, to learn he's so young mm. and when josh allen seemed kind of uh, inexperienced and not pro- maybe a little bit immature in his, in, during the Bills game, there was a lot of people going, oh, well, you know, in the future he'll be fine. And I think we've come sometimes with how good Lamar Jackson's been this year, forget how young he is and how much more there is still for him to grow. Mm, absolutely. And uh, Jacob, obviously, with Joe Burrow reference there, obviously got your eye on the national championship tonight. Yes, yeah, yeah, the big game, the we're, big game. Yeah, we'll get to, we'll get to that uh, two, uh, the two-minute warning. But yeah, obviously, um, yeah, I mean, MVP season for Lamar Jackson, first player with 3,000 pass yards, 1,000 rush yards in a season, uh, and the first player with three, uh, 300 pass yards and 100 uh, rush yards in a playoff game as well. So he'll be back, like you say, young, he's got things on his side, but obviously you know, the, the longer the kind of chip gets on the shoulder, the harder it is to to get rid of that. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting just to see kind of how that, that kind of plays out. But yeah, I think he'll be back for, and again, you know, it's more to do with coaching and obviously putting himself into in situations to succeed. Uh, I think the Titans were just plucky. You know, they they did what they needed to do. So on the the fourth, the, the turnovers and downs and getting points off of that were was the uh, was the way to go. Right, let's go to uh, the Sunday games for third down. Okay, sorry, Ewan. Apologies for this, making you relive um, you know, what was a, a, dre- a, a dream there, which turned into a nightmare. But Kansas City, uh, coming back from the dead, even the Undertaker would have been proud of that. Uh, blitzing the Texans, who collapsed in, in similar style of the English cricket team's middle order. Um, to the point, Ewan, that they even ran out of fireworks. Yeah, I, yeah, I saw that. I don't know if that was, a, if that was just a joke. <laughs> um but yeah, I think it was a capitulation um, that was probably something that, as a franchise, they will regret that for a long, long time. Um, to take the lead, to go 24 points up in a game um, of that magnitude when there was a clear path against a divisional opponent, you know, as a as the next stage, 
in a quest for a championship that all 32 teams are doing to give it up like that was was tough to watch. I think I mean all credits to Mahomes and the Chiefs that were they were great. Uh, but I mean you know the Texans led the time of possession. They you know Watson almost passed for 390 yards. Um, okay, that was 57 attempts to get there, but it was. It was a it was a shame for him, I think, more than anything else. And I think he said he was quite bullish in his interview after and said, you know, I'm not concerned about the future. I think that was potentially some part of that was him saying that he was he wasn't concerned because he felt he did what he could, and it was just an unbelievable turn of events of the mm. Texans getting a wide open touchdown. I don't think I've seen them do that. You know, I <laughs> and I've seen a wide open score like that. Uh, Fuller drew, drew the attention away from the DBs. He's seven up. Uh, blocks an ex-punt, Mingo, or Kivis, Mingo blocks the punt, um, and then they go in and score, then Tyreek Hill fumbles, score again, uh, and then they get a, Texans get a three and out, and a really good hit on Tyreek, legal hit on Tyreek Hill, and we're trying to kill the, the physicality of the game these days, but a really good hit, and I thought the momentum was with us. We get the ball, drive the field, and then that's where it all started, really. Um, the, they don't go for it on a fourth and one, which I'm okay with, you know, if in a game you just want to keep the points going, uh, they probably, you know, but I think what O'Brien's been good at this should be aggressive. Went away from that. Um, and then, you know, the, the next kickoff, uh, McCall Hardman, he's done it all year. I don't know why they gave him a chance to return it. He does, he set up a score. There's a, a fake punt that they go for a fourth and three after not going for a fourth and a half yard. Gives him another score. And then what was the big the backbreaker or the or the bullet in the head, if you like, was the um <laughs> was the kick the um kick off and the Andrew Carter's been shaky, he's done it a few times this year. Uh fumbled and uh and that was it. And from being twenty four zero up, you know, into the second quarter to being behind the second half, missed a field goal right at half time to fifty yeah. yard field goal to go to to pull it in with one. Um and you could have killed it then, to be honest, because the game just, it was just unbelievable. I mean, the Chiefs did a good job of handing it to the Texans early, and then the Texans just didn't know what to do. They got punched in the mouth, and they kept coming back, and that was it, really. Um, seven touchdowns and seven consecutive drives for the Chiefs in the second half, and um, a defence that's been eroded of talent just completely um, surrendered, and they couldn't cover Tyree Kill. Oh, they did cover Tyree Kill, did a good job of that, actually. It was Travis Kelsey, uh, with three touchdowns on the day, and he dominated, they just couldn't seem to get it right. They started going to a bit of zone and then they just kept cutting them up. What was all over the place, you know, cut, pushing inside, it's probably his worst habit of people that don't watch the team that regularly. Um, I'll probably not know about it. And he just, he looked short of gas and the pass rush is just non-existent. And mm. when that is, it's impossible to cover a, a, a cast of, of speedsters like the Chiefs have got good luck to them. Um, Mahomes was, you know, he's, he's a good player. I'm not, I just, I'm still kind of can't, can't quite get my head around a guy from Texas Tech. He's done what he's done, and obviously Alex Smith's got a lot to got a lot to do with it. Um, <laughs> and he's in his year of tutelage under him. But yeah, the game just went spiraled, and it was it was a, a walkout, a, a blowout really. And the Chiefs didn't really have to sweat it much in the second half. They just kept scoring it well, and you know I think they'll do that to most teams. Maybe not quite as regularly, fifty-one points. But, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think they, they, they've, they've got a good chance at it, I think, you know, because they're quite a balanced team. I mean, they, I think it'll be interesting in the next round because they're not great against the run. They did actually quite a good job yesterday. Um, so uh, if Tannehill's only thrown it four times and Henry's running at 50, then we'll see how that form, that form like keeps working. But um, potential bad matchup for them. They've already been beaten by the, mm. by 
by uh, the, the Tennessee Titans already this year. So uh, it was uh, look, it was a, a bad, bad day of football. Um, <laughs> from a defensive point of view and a special teams point of view for both teams, it was just two sort of next generation star quarterbacks were on show, and hopefully. There'll be plenty more of those jewels as the years go on. Mm, absolutely, yeah. It was just what a freak game, wasn't it? You know, just one of those ones that does that doesn't come along very often. Indeed, obviously, roles reversed from last week could be the uh, Buffalo Bills. So at least you know how they they kind of feel. Uh, shout out to Eric Fisher as well with the uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin celebration, nicking some fans' beers and uh, doing the Stone Cold. That was a very very good touch on there. So yeah, really enjoyed that. Okay, I shall round it out. Green Bay versus Seattle. Seattle obviously trying their best to do a Kansas City impression, but uh, ultimately falling sh- falling short in this one. 28-23, the final here. Not the greatest of games, in all fairness. Not quite the uh, Minnesota 49ers game, but not quite Kansas City either. But uh, Seattle struggled mightily throughout this one. No answers on both sides of the ball. Uh, Marshawn Lynch making it look uh, difficult to even garner one yard. Uh, ended up with 26 yards on 12 carries. Obviously did get a, a pair of one-yard touchdowns. Four at uh, one-yard rushing touchdowns in this game as well I don't see those uh, too often but uh, a lot of the troubles for the Seahawks caused by the trio of Blake Martinez and both the Smiths Preston and Zadarius uh, the Smiths accounting for four sacks collectively in this one uh, Russell Wilson rolling out more than Limp Biscuit on repeat um, yep yeah, Green Bay fast start again showed by they were third in, in the NFL in terms of opening touchdown drives uh, lovely throw to Adams on the opening drive uh, opens the scoring and that one that was compounded by a couple of Aaron Jones one yard runs making it 21-3 at the half theme of like say Green Bay this season starting fast a lot of points in the first half um, yeah, coming to fruition kind of again they'll have to do that uh, for both halves if they want to stand any chance of beating the 49ers next week over at Levi's um, not that I, do, I think they would do that anyway but like I say Seattle struggling to put anything t- uh, together offensively really until the second half uh, even then, the first drive needing a four to complete a fourth and one to Tyler Lockett to set up uh, Marshawn Lynch for one of his touchdowns. Uh, good spe- special shout out to Tyler Lockett. Had a huge game: nine receptions, 136 yards, and one touchdown as well. Uh, DK Metcalf made some nice catches as well, uh, sparingly throughout the game. Um, the one that sealed it, the dagger to the heart of Seattle, was pretty much the 40-yard touchdown throw to Devonte Adams, uh, making it 28 to 10. Probably a bit too much there for Seattle to to claw back. Uh, they did make a good fist of it, though. Another uh, long drive, nine plays, 79 yards, ending with a another one yard up from Marshawn Lynch. But the, t- the turning point in this one uh, was late in the fourth. Wilson getting sacked on third down, actually forcing Seattle to having to punt with just a few minutes left. Uh, and then Green Bay able to pick up the requisite amount of first downs. Third and eight to Devontae Adams, uh, third and nine to Jimmy Graham. And I know there's a lot going on social media about the line on the TV and the line of the first down marker. Just everyone get over it. It was fine. Um, nothing wrong with that whatsoever in my opinion uh, it was actually quite funny because the, the guy the defender that was on him I can't remember his name but because he tried to punch the ball out and not take Jimmy Graham down I actually made helped Jimmy Graham get to that line as well so uh, kind of his fault that he, he was able to get to the first down and then it was victory formation uh, but yeah shame for Seattle really considering how their kind of season went you know Marshall Lynch and, and Travis Homer I know Chris Carson and Rashad Penny so um, you know if those two come back with no no ill effects uh, next season. There'll be another, again, a force to be reckoned with. But yeah, Packers travel back to Levi's Stadium next week. The uh, scene of their drubbing in the regular season. Um, yeah, 49ers heavy favourites to get to the Super Bowl, uh, which is just the stuff of my nightmares, to be quite honest. But um, there we go. What, what can you do? You can't have it all, folks. You cannot have it all. But the, uh, the prospect of a 49ers Chiefs uh, Super Bowl is, uh, is probably one that we're licking our lips for, isn't it, folks? Sean? 
Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, that was, um, you know, my thoughts on, on Sunday. Um, I think, like you say, I, I can't see any change. I, you know, why would you back against the 49ers? And then we'll get into it in depth on Thursday, but, you know, surely you're going to take the 49ers in that one. And yeah. and like I said, on my game review, as, as good as the Titans have played, they're going in as underdogs again. You know, it's not write them off, but obviously just watching the Chiefs put up 51 and, and it then does become the dream matchup, doesn't it? You know, essentially. Um, you know, so it would be interesting to see how it goes. But like you say, two big games between now and then. Um, I think for the Packers, they, they, they just need some more explosion in this offense. Outside of Devontae Adams, there's just not an awful lot there. Is that Aaron no. Jones has got very pedestrian down the stretch. Mm. And, you know, they were lucky in this one that they ran into a Seattle side, obviously with tons of injuries. You mentioned the running backs were also offensive line. Um, you know, Russell Wilson's done well to get this squad into the playoffs down the stretch, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. As Aaron Jones might struggle to... Uh... To get anything that ground game going against that 49ers defense, uh, that 49ers front seven. But J- Jacob, obviously you're a 49ers fan, and obviously a part of your world record uh, attempt and that, you, that you've now got, you actually got tickets to the Super Bowl, so you are one game away from seeing your team in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's it's all very very stressful. I've been trying <laughs> all playoffs not to get my hopes up, and you know I said going into the playoffs, the teams that scared me, at least in the NFC were the Saints and the Seahawks. The Niners are going to have to play neither of them. And so now it's looking very likely. It's really hard not to get focused so hard on the regular season matchup between the Niners and the Packers. You know, I think that game ended 38 to 7 or in in that range. And the Niners were just different class. And you even look back at that game. I mean, they had no D Ford, they had no Quan Alexander, they had no Joe Staley. So that was kind of when the Niners were maybe at their most beat up as well, and they were able to do that. Yeah, they're now at their healthiest. You know, they're going into that game this weekend was the first game all season where every player had practiced yeah. in the week leading up to the to the game, and they managed to come out of that game injury free as well. Apart, you know, Jimmy G rolled his angle at one point, but was fine and. Nick Bosa got winded and then did his little Undertaker impression coming back into the, into the game and lapping it up from the crowd. But it's it you need to yeah the Packers they've got to do something. They can't go into that game the way they went in last time. I mean no. they even had a bye going yep. into the Niners game last time. Yep. So it's tough to see what they're able to do to to change that. But yeah. I I would expect them to have a completely different approach to how they had mm. last time because. Yep which it was just not even close and I, I yeah I feel confident but as ever when you're a fan of a team all you can really think about is how it could go wrong <laughs> yeah absolutely uh yeah certainly the Smiths have to try and get a bit more pressure like they did uh this weekend as well but yeah Carl Shanahan and that offense are pretty good at um yeah nullifying and negating any pressure that comes their way so uh hope for you mate that you get to see your hope your your team in the Super Bowl that'd be amazing um obviously I'll, I'll put my my San Francisco hate aside for you mate um I just I hope you I appreciate, appreciate yeah I hope you appreciate what I'm, what I'm doing for you there mate <laughs> oh I do I do I do <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Right, okay, that's the games all covered. So let's uh, get into some stats. Let's get into some discussion on fourth down. Fourth down. All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. Jerry plays you like a puppet. You really are a muppet. It's fourth and one, don't do it. Just clap your hands. 
Okay, we're going to start off with Jason Garrett Corn, obviously Bill O'Brien under a bit of scrutiny about what, uh, obviously, yeah, it was it was like sands through your fingers, wasn't it? You couldn't do anything about what uh, what was happening in terms of the Chiefs. But uh, Sean, some questionable questionable decisions that he made, maybe one affecting the other. I think we need to thank Bill O'Brien because I was a little bit worried when Jason Garrett didn't get off at the Giants' job that you know we were going to have to rename this segment to the Pod for the 2020-2021 season. But I think we've officially can now name this the Bill O'Brien corner moving forward. Because what on earth was he doing on Sunday? Um, absolutely ridiculous segment at the start of that second quarter. He calls a timeout first and foremost on third and nine. No problem with that. that that's absolutely fine. So, but third and nine, he's, he, he gets the timeout called. They dial up a play. Um, I don't think he's particularly there. And, and Deshaun Watson dumps off to Duke Johnson, who, to be fair, gets very, very close. And actually, if you look at certain camera angles, you could almost make an argument that he possibly even gets a first down. They mark it short. And in the ensuing panic, um, rather than either having a play prepared, bearing in mind they'd already just called the timeout previously, um, there's all sorts of confusion. Deshaun Watson obviously wants to go for it. They obviously then sort of change their mind, call another timeout and, and kick a field goal, um, which, you know, very questionable at the time. Obviously, they then give up a big return and we know that sparked the comeback. But the other thing they then did, of course, after giving up a fourth and half a yard attempt from the 12-yard line of the Chiefs, they run a fake punt, which, you know, to be fair again, when you look at the coverage, you could argue there was a case that it wasn't a bad call, but obviously wasn't executed. It's a great, the great, great reward, open field tackle there. It was a great tackle, but the risk and reward there of going yeah, yeah, for yeah. you know, bearing in mind the Chiefs have just started to get a bit of momentum, and you're in, you know, you're just inside their territory, and and you call that play at that particular time. Bearing in mind you would just fail to to sort of go for it in a more aggressive manner, where the risk and reward, you know, the the, the reward was going to be so much higher going for it on fourth and one from the twelve, and the risk was so much lower. It just seemed completely back to front with the way that he approached it. Um, but then for me to top it all off, did you hear the the, the post match interview? No, I, I, I keep meaning to go and look at because he's quite a short tempered guy, isn't he? So he was asked about fourth and one, and the reason that he didn't go for it is he didn't have a play at that time that he liked. <laughs> How on earth can you not have a play that you like? Fourth and one with Hopkins, Deshaun Watson, even Carlos Hyde should be good to belt, you know, barrel his way through for a yard. So an absolutely ridiculous statement. He even said during the game that, you know, he felt that they needed 50 points going into the game. They wanted touchdowns, not field goals. So everything he said against everything he did was just completely and utterly back to front. And I honestly think if it was any other organisation where he didn't have as much power as what he has got at Houston, I think he would have been fired this morning for how poorly mm. he managed that game. Yeah. I mean, the, the QB sneak is one of the most successful short yardage plays you can dial up. And you've got Deshaun Watson. Just get up and, and, and do it. Get up and go. Like, yeah, like I say, he called th- timeout on third and nine. Surely the conversation in the huddle is right, guys. You know, if, if this becomes fourth and one, this is the play that we're going for. Yeah. You know, it, it yeah, was just... they're not so that he just almost had no no confidence that they'd even get close. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like he's gone, oh, we'll, we'll just get, you know, get a bit of space for a punt or a, or a field goal or whatever. But if how is that conversation not being had that, mm. look, if we get in four for an inches, if the A-gaps are open, sneak it. If they stack inside, run a pit. Like, this, it, it seems crazy that they weren't 
preparing for that? And even not just in that timeout, how is that not in your game plan already? Yeah, yeah. You know, just as an automatic, it's, yeah. it seems it seems crazy. Bread and, bread and butter. And it's like uh, like if you're playing a Madden, you're waiting for the recommended plays to come up. Maybe he was waiting for that to come up on his, on his sheet. <laughs> <laughs> But there we go. Uh, anyway, yeah. So Bill O'Brien, obviously, the Texans a bit of a bit of a pinch at the moment. Obviously, no uh, first first round picks for a little while. You know, picks wise, they are um, they're a bit stuck. For, they're in a bit of a pickle, to be quite honest. So Ewan's obviously had to just drop off the podcast. So uh, can't really get his thoughts on it. I know uh, we will do in due course. But yeah, Bill O'Brien, like I say, Sean, if he didn't have as much power as he did, he would uh, be facing a bit more of a hot seat. I, su- I suppose is the nice way of putting it. But um, yeah, Bill O'Brien not uh, doing himself uh, any favors there in that game against. Kansas City. Okay, let's do you guy, all you lovely listeners, some favours and let's give you some stats. 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 Okay, so yeah, like we say, some stats live for your ears. Uh, I'll start us off. Um, I've got a couple of Kansas City, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Houston Texans ones. I've got uh, Ewan's as well. First one is Deshaun Watson, the only quarterback in the Super Bowl era to lose a playoff game despite passing for 300 yards. Uh, three total touchdowns and zero giveaways as well. So yeah, uh, decent performance by Deshaun Watson. Obviously, he said he wasn't too damn beaten. You know, he had a, he had a good performance. To just beaten by the absolute juggernaut of the Kansas City, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Who the the Chiefs only team to win by twenty plus points after trailing by twenty plus points as well. Um, it, like I say, pretty much a freak game uh, there at Arrowhead. Uh, Jacob, what have you got for us? Stat line I really liked from the Niners game oh, was, had, to, had to be, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Uh, it belonged to Tevin Coleman, and this is someone who, you know, a lot of people have kind of been calling for him to get the ball less, myself included. Funnily enough, as he had his production had really all come against the Panthers, but he goes 22 carries for 105 yards and two touchdowns. But the bit that I really like about it is that normally when someone has 105 yards, they've broken off some big run at some point. His longest run was at 11 yards. Mm. So that just showed how consistent his yards per carry had to be to get 105 yards of 22 carries. And that really seemed kind of symptomatic of the Niners offense right there, where Carl Shanahan went, okay, we're going to keep running. And every time they just kept getting five, six yards, so they kept doing it, including the drive we talked about earlier, where they went eight running plays in a row and finished with a touchdown. So. That really stood out to me. Yeah, it's a staple, staple of the San Francisco 49ers offense there. Sean, what you got? Uh, we could have done a full pod on Stats to Life this week, couldn't we, with some of these games? Um, let's go for one from the Ravens game. So the Ravens had 530 yards of offense, but it only put up 12 points. It's the fewest points when a team has gained over 500 yards in a playoff game since at least 1940. The previous low being the Dolphins, who put up 22 when they gained 502 yards against the Bills in 1995. Mm, very good. I saw so I saw somewhere, uh, I think Will Brinson tweeted out, I think um, the Ravens had eight or nine, maybe even ten drives that ended in Titans territory as well and only ended up with 12 points. So, wow. There you go. There you go. Uh, right, okay, that's all your stats. Any stats out there that you listeners like, uh, sh- Swing over to us at Full Ten Yards on Twitter, uh, and we'll retweet some of those as well. But the referees are running in, and it's time for the two-minute warning. That's the two-minute warning. Okay, yep. Yeah, so Full Ten Yards roundup. So don't forget, uh, coming this week, we're going to be recording the big fat quiz of the NFL uh, of the NFL year. So we're recording that Wednesday. Sean, you've been uh, sweating up. You're the uh, Full Ten Yards representative. 
Yeah, I feel under pressure. It's like having home field advantage, but uh, not really any advantage whatsoever. <laughs> I, I feel under more pressure than any yeah, anything else, to be honest. But, ho- yeah, looking forward to it. it. Should be good. We're hosting hosting it at the Chargers Stadium. That's why. <laughs> that's exactly what it feels like yeah, absolutely right uh, College Pod obviously coming tomorrow being a Tuesday they'll be looking back at the National Championship final quick round the table boys are we going LSU or are we going Clemson Jacob uh, I've got to go LSU I'm, I find it really hard to look against what they've done against big teams and I've just seen Clemson struggle against too many poor teams this season mm-hmm. Sean uh, I'll go Clemson <laughs> the contrarian approach uh, you, you stand up to watch it, uh, Jacob? Uh, I undecided at this point, undecided. probably because I've Cersei, stayed up yeah. for the last two nights, yeah. so falling asleep early is probably not going to happen. Yeah, so, I was going to say, yeah, as, as, as soon as it's undecided, you know it's a yes. Yeah, yes. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Uh, and then, obviously, on the articles, articles side, um, the season in review articles will start to be rolling out, but they'll probably um, be done. They'll probably start rolling out once the divisional round is done. Get that out of the way first. Before we go, folks, quick another quick round the table. Who's, uh, well, it's a bit silly asking you, Jacob, but who's going who's gonna to make the Super Bowl? Uh, how 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. John, the Niners winning, obviously. No, <laughs> oh, could you imagine you you're watching watching your own team watch the uh, win the Super Bowl yeah. in Miami? I'm trying amazing. not, trying not to think about it. Really. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sean, any different for you? Uh, same game. Uh, I can't look past the Chiefs, though. To be honest, I just think that that offense is just unbelievable. And yeah, you know, we talked a lot this year about uh, Lamar Jackson, and he has had a phenomenal season. But uh, Patrick Mahomes probably has made everybody remember just how good he actually is on Sunday. He's mm. been uh, quite quiet in the headlines in comparison. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, a yeah, phenomenal talent. So mm. would be an excellent game though if it does end up being that matchup. Mm. I wonder what the line would be for the bookies. I suppose you have to make what Kansas City. If it was Kansas City, San Francisco, were you making it minus two and a half, three? No, I think it's closer than that for me. I think it's minus one KC. When you're looking at the lines... As they are for this week, it kind of implies the Niners should be favourites, but I don't think they will become Super Bowl time. Oh no, Kansas City will be favourites. I think it'll be what well, I think it'll be two and a half. I'll go two and a half. I think. Sean, what do you reckon? Uh, do you know what? We, we should all learn. We've all written off the Niners. Some more than others, I've got to say, Tim, have written off the yeah. Niners. This year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like you say, the, the Niners should, in theory, be favourites. Um, they won't be, though. I'll, I'll probably go with, with Jacob. I think it should just be one point. I mean, you could you could actually make a case that there shouldn't be a handicap and it could be a push, but they're obviously not going to do that. Mm. So. No, they, wouldn't, they want some see juice. It. I yeah. could see it, but yeah. yeah, it's It's a tough one, because when you look, you're assuming... Well, if we're assuming the Packers are better than the Titans and both lines are the same this weekend, then you're assuming that the Niners are slightly better than the Chiefs. But yeah, we'll mm. see. Yeah, we shall we shall see indeed. Uh, anyone still left in the uh, the full ten yards competition of picking the finalists and the winners? I'll left I'll have to go through that tweet and see if there uh, if there's any Titan. I know I know one person that picked the Titans to win it all. So uh, if they if they win, obviously he'll probably win the prize. But uh, yeah, I have to see how many Kansas City forty ten uh, San Francisco forty nine finalists uh, entries we got. But uh, yeah, that's going to do it for the podcast. Jacob, thank you so much for joining us, mate. And uh, yeah, so Anytime. hopefully uh, the forty ers get to the Super Bowl for you, mate. And uh, so we'll be we'll be in touch. Soon, no doubt. Thank you. I, I appreciate. It. I know how hard that is for you to say. <laughs> I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding here, mate. I've got. I've got a hot. I've got a hot bath and a toaster running. 
<laughs> but anyway, before before I do that, uh, we're going to end the podcast anyway. But uh, it's been fun. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, let us know your thoughts on what the handicap line would be if the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers make the Super Bowl. Maybe Adam, maybe that's one for you, mate. Um, but yeah, let's get out of here. Say so College Pod tomorrow. We'll be back on Thursday where we preview the two championship games. So hopefully you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Jacob. See you later. It's goodbye from Sean. See you later, buddy. And it's goodbye from me in the great words of Kevin Cadle. It's a bye-bye for now. A bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.